If you hear this disclaimer before the episode, it's because it was set to release a while ago. There were a lot of things that helped me back, but I'm glad to be back on the right track now and producing content, hopefully at a very consistent weekly basis. So make sure you're tuning in every Wednesday to hear whatever episode of The Forensics Experience comes out. What's up, y'all? It's Dante, a.k.a. The Forensics Guy, and you are listening to The Forensic Experience, the podcast where we discuss topics in the speech and debate community with the world's most influential coaches, students, and alumni in the activity. Today, I am floored because I am honored to be sitting here with Carrie Baker Johnson, one of the best coaches in the game. I... I feel like I don't even need to introduce you, but maybe for the two people who are listening that don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the community? Uh, yeah. So hi, Dante. Um, I coach at Ronald Reagan High School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, I've coached there for about 14 years. Uh, I've been coaching for about 20 years. Wow. Um, I am the head coach there. Um, in addition, I am the Milwaukee Archdiocese Director for the National Catholic Forensics League. Uh, we just hosted Nationals last May, uh, which was an awesome experience uh, to bring uh, what I like to say 5,000 of my closest friends um, to the city of Milwaukee and show them Milwaukee and um, uh, see some really amazing performances. Uh, and then I also sit on the NSDA Southern Wisconsin Committee. Awesome. Um, yes, yeah, so for for uh, those who don't know, um, yeah, it, I, I was obviously at the CFL tournament this year as well. Um, and it was really great. It was amazing. Um, so thank you so much for uh, hosting that with the other um, coaches and making that a really wonderful experience. For those who know, I am from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so I'm uh, glad – home and um yeah have a tournament hosted for uh, me back home and it really yeah really felt like home it was awesome um so i remember you as a competitor i was i you know it's so funny because i have that on my list of things i was gonna mention i totally was gonna talk <laughs> about that that's, all. <laughs> that's so amazing um oh, yeah. i uh yeah that, it's man it's so crazy like uh i can't i, I can't wait for that day like that day where I started, where I start seeing, you know, students that I've like coached become coaches too. It's, it's, it's yeah. so surreal. <laughs> yeah, um, I was good friends with your coach and yeah, it was. Did you? It was funny. It, did you coach yeah, middle was, school too? I didn't coach at MSL, but um, I knew your coach. Okay. You were at MSL, right? Yes, I was at MSL with uh, Miss, uh, well, Miss Fritchie and I think she's still Miss Styler now, now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I call her Valerie, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is one of the one of the legends in my mind. Uh she's just amazing and um yeah, I mean I uh my first my first coach in eighth grade got me into speech and speech and debate, aka forensics, whichever one you want to call it. And um with yeah, without without Valerie, uh basically basically just saying like hey you need to continue to keep your grades up stuff like that I don't think I would have been able to compete in it so uh, it was it was such an amazing opportunity to be under some really great uh, tutelage of coaching it was yeah really awesome uh, love you Valerie hope you're listening um, so 
Um, this is really great because I um, want to talk a little bit today uh, for everyone listening, a little bit about trying to figure out how we can help the students that I personally believe who need it the most. Um, obviously, speech and debate is doing an amazing job as a community. Uh, I would say we are growing extensively. Like, I mean, I've seen, I've seen speech and debate coaching positions in places as far as like Morocco and, and, and South Korea and China. And it's just like, like we are growing as a community. I'm absolutely, absolutely loving it. Um, but coming back to the U.S. Um, for this specific topic, I want to look at how we can try to get more students who are inner city students able to compete. Um, I think that, the, unfortunately, there are usually a lot of barriers in stopping them from doing uh, speech and debate. Um, sometimes finances and like scheduling and so many other things. And as a, as a student who coaches a, I'm sorry, as a coach that coaches students in the inner city, um, I know that you know, and I know as well, how you have to, you know, moderate and change so many different things in order to make sure that every single child does have the opportunity to participate if they really want to. And I really want to, um, talk a little bit more about how we can make that happen. And in all of your experience, um, wow, 20 years of experience is so amazing. Um, for your first six years before, because you said you were uh, Ronald Reagan for 14 years, where were you at before? So my first three years coaching, um, I was working on getting my teaching certification. Okay. Uh, and I was coaching at uh, Divine Savior Holy Angels. Uh, okay. So Girls Catholic High School here in Milwaukee. Yes. Um, and then once I I started working for Milwaukee Public Schools, and I worked at a uh, public charter school for three years um, that uh, has since closed. Um, and uh, then I moved over from um, W.E.B. Du Bois to uh, Reagan. Um, so I started at a all girls private Catholic school. Um, and then I switched to um, Milwaukee public schools and a more um, urban and co-ed setting. Yes. <laughs> which was different. Uh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. DSHA is a all girls school too. Yeah. 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 Last, last year I was at an all girls school and I was at Immaculate Heart um, in Los Angeles and um, okay. they're great kids, but a much different experience, you know? Um, it, and yes. uh, now I am at uh, KIPP uh, schools in um, the Bay Area, in San, like San Francisco area. And okay. uh, um, it's awesome working with some middle schoolers. And uh, we're doing, we, we got a lot of great plans and we're doing some great things. Um, well, I'm so glad you're working with the middle school because as a high school teacher, I am exceptionally fortunate that uh, Milwaukee Public Schools had um, phenomenal middle school forensics programs and so we, we really um, do it's it's yeah I, I brag about it all the time because like everybody gets so excited when I tell them about it like from literally I don't know if you've been to any middle school tournaments but like I mean like people always freak out when I tell them how every single middle school tournament literally involves a dance like there's some type of DJ pizza yes. it's just fun and my freshman 
my freshmen like cry when I say there is no dance. <laughs> there is no dance. There is no dance. I expect that if you are not fortunate enough to break to power round, either support a teammate or you are going to go to the power round in your category and see what are the people who are having success doing and how can I change um, and, and make um, modifications to my performance. Um, yeah. But yes, the, the amount of kids who just are shocked that we don't have a dance in high school is <laughs> quite humorous. It, it's so great. I, we definitely need a hashtag bring back the dance. Um, I think it will make the high school tournaments more fun too. Um, <laughs> I don't want to dance. No, I can't. I, uh, I judged go ahead. 10 middle school tournaments. Uh huh back in the day and I thought this is insane <laughs> why would you do this <laughs> yeah no. I, it, it's yeah I mean it's 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 different but it's you know I like it's perfect because most of those tournaments for those who don't know listening um in Wisconsin our middle school tournaments a lot of them a lot of them fall on Friday nights and it's literally like after school you and your team buses to the school you have your rounds, and then there's literally just like it feels. It feels like almost unlimited soda and pizza while you're dan- while you're dancing to all the latest hits from 2009 and up. And it's just crazy. It's just a crazy experience. It's it's ridiculous, but it's but it's amazing. And um, I do I do like that. Even um, like so far, like CFL usually has a dance at nationals. NSDA has a dance at nationals, kind of. It's not the same concept, but it kind of feels very similar. I like it. It's, You're yeah. right. It, the whole the hosting party, um, a similar feel to the the middle school dance. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Just like being there and just really being in that experience. And where I'm, I can definitely say that from from that realm. Not just with the dance, but in general, I was very privileged to have a state that was so prominent on the um, middle school range. I mean, the amount of students, I think, uh, I think it was a couple years ago, maybe two or three years ago, I think we topped out at like 3,200 kids. And that was only taking the ones who qualified for state. It's like, like everybody I tell it to is just like, whoa, that's, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, our middle school our middle school league is actually, it feels very competitive. It's very um, awesome. And it just brings out some of the greatest creativity among students. It's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Our, um, our district doesn't offer a ton of extracurriculars for middle schools. They've got, uh, I think, one sport a season. Um, and then uh, the forensic season, which in Wisconsin runs from middle of january through the end of march middle of april yeah pretty much Uh, the the middle school one's a little bit shorter the high school one's about a month longer um and uh i i'm i'm very fortunate and i have to do very little recruiting for my high school team because every freshman that comes through the door says i competed for one to three years in middle school yeah um, so it's great. It's it's awesome. Um, yeah, I think I think that's really awesome. I'm pretty lucky too. For um, I 
I also coach at a high school. Shout out to Monta Vista. <laughs> like I, you know, I didn't mention you all yet because we we're specifically talking about inner city schools. Um, but I, you coach at a high school too, and a lot of those um, middle schoolers that I have come in, they have that middle school experience actually, which is impressive because they just have that whole program uh, ran out pretty nicely. Um, out here, I feel like a lot more younger students, specifically in California, are really getting into um, speech and debate. And it's really awesome to see, like, from elementary students and everything. It's very impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it a lot. The, the younger we can get them excited about the activity, the better speech and debate students will have in the future. So that'd be really awesome. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of kind of, I guess, uh, getting those students young and the the general commitment to the children. I think it's evident that we need to figure out, I think, more creative ways to promote um, students to do speech and debate, not just individually at a school, but um, I'm really, I really want to see, I don't, and and um, I, I think I think all the leagues are doing a really great job, but definitely if there's even more of an opportunity um, to like get more just schools participate participating in speech and debate and forensics, I want to see that. Um, do you have any like suggestions? What do you what do you think would be a really great way to get more of um, these students competing in speech and debate? So. Um... It, you know, it's always one of those things where uh, asking someone to give up uh, um, every one of their Saturdays, their personal free time Saturdays for several months in a row, uh, you know, that takes a certain commitment and a certain person to do that. Yes. Um, and so you have to find those people who really understand the value of um the 21st century skill that, uh, you know, as an educator, we keep hearing that the new, one of the newest taglines is making sure students have the soft skills and the 21st century skills. And those are all the skills that students are gaining and building True. Uh, through speech and debate. And, and uh, for me, what I see even, I don't want to say more importantly, but the empathy that students develop uh, when they focus on interp categories, uh, the empathy that they can have for others uh, when they are spending probably more time researching pieces than they are doing their homework, which I don't approve of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, I just, I, I watch how they will spend a year you know, or six months at half a school year working on a piece and the, the, the empathy for the character or the characters in that piece that they, they develop just branches out into all aspects of their life. And, uh, you know, High school is getting harder and harder and harder it is. to manage through with social media and, um, you know, others that come with that. And uh, the that we can instill in our young people, I think, is just going to make 
our world a better place long term. I I really agree with that, and I really like what you said, um, just about how like I feel like high school is. It's really getting harder and harder. You have to. There's so much more to navigate. There's so much. Specifically, another episode um, that should have come out probably a couple episodes before this one. Um, I remember talking about, you know, um, just like mental health and speech and debate and oh, how it's it, it does take a lot. But I think that um, when we're looking at trying to commit to the making that commitment to the children, I, I, I really think it's evident that a lot of us as coaches, we have to figure out like. I think we have to offer this opportunity, like this this activity, as not as something that everybody literally can do. And I think that is oh, really yeah. interesting because um, the only example, the first example that pops in my head is I remember a student who she um, was really excited about forensics and loved it. She thought it would be a really great thing, but she could never make the practices ever. Like she no. had dance classes and all this other stuff. Which is, you know, like we said, so many other things on their plate. And yeah. I was able to, you know, make like biweekly or monthly meetings with her at a separate time where she could come in and like her parent was there and we all just kind of worked together and tried to get her piece ready for competition. And she still did amazing. She made it to state that year. She did really good. Um, even made it to a power round, which is just awesome. And I, lo- I love it. Um, yeah, our season is weird in Wisconsin because with winter and spring sports. Yes. And so I get a fair amount of kids who start on the team uh, in January. And then when mid-March comes, which is when we are gearing up for our national qualifiers and our state tournament, um, they're all of a sudden telling me, I have soccer practice every day. <laughs> I have track practice every day. Um, so what I will usually do is, uh, schedule two or three mornings a week, Uh, come in 45 minutes before the school day, which gets a little early. Um, but, uh, usually by that point in the season, they're willing to make that commitment to, yep, I will be in your room by 650 in the morning so I can rehearse. And so I can still go to soccer practice after school. I um, and- I love that idea. I would encourage even more coaches to um, potentially do that if that is something that you know is within your uh, schedule for coaches listening. Um, trying to make more time potentially for your students to practice as much as they can. I really like that. Um, another idea from. I know that. Go ahead. Sorry. Go I know ahead. that this year um, I'm actually working with. Uh, a new coach at uh, your uh, former high school, MSL. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, they've had a middle school program for the last several years, uh, but the high school program uh, stopped for a couple of years. Yeah. And so now they have these middle school kids who are in ninth, who were, who are now in ninth and 10th grade and they want to continue with forensics. And, um, you know, one of the things I said is, year have to go to every single tournament the whole season long you know yeah um to get your you know get acclimated and get your feet wet and uh you know wisconsin's one of these quirky states where we have 20 categories in our state that kids can compete in which yeah on one 
on one hand, it's awesome because we have a category that literally will probably fit every single kid known to man. We can always find. But on the other hand, if you're a brand new coach, to wrap your head around the rules and the nuances and the idea behind 20 different categories is super overwhelming. True. So, you know, it, it's what is good for the students isn't necessarily always good for the adult. Um, and, you know, you want to find that balance to A, not scare off the brand new coach who is going to, after a year, say, whoa, this is too much. I can't do that. Um, we yet still give the students as many opportunities as possible. Definite. Um, I definitely agree with that. Um, I know that even at the uh, middle school level in Wisconsin, it's kind of like an unwritten rule. I'm still not 100% sure how that works. But basically, most coaches only go to like five tournaments um, throughout that entire season. It's I think it's like that's how many of the kids can go to or something like that. It's a little weird. I think but... it's my understanding that is limited because there are so many kids who compete. Exactly. And they don't have the number of tournaments available. So they limit each student can compete five times before state is my yeah, understanding. That's it. Each student can compete five times. I guess as a coach, technically, if you had a bunch of students, you can go to every week. Um, but I always pretty much just went with my same group and they always came to each tournament. So we as a whole season just went to five tournaments. It was a little bit easier yeah. for us. Um, but with that, like you just, I, I'm always looking at what a, what a student wants to do with the activity as a whole. And I try to sit down and have that conversation with them. You know, there are going to be students who I, I've had students who are like, I want to go to every tournament. I want to be the best. If I don't get first in the <laughs> state, I'm going to cry. It's going to be a sad day. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try my best. We're going to get you there. And then there are some students who's like, hey, can I just like go to one tournament and just like see how it is? And that might be it. I don't know. Correct. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. I'm, I just, I just yes. want you to have some better public speaking skills. Even one tournament is yes. enough. Or, I mean, it's, it's uh, enough sounds like a weird word, but even one tournament, like, satisfies that opportunity to at least do the activity. Well, and you, you, you see what it's about. And I always tell my students, I do not care if you come home with hardware. I know that you all care about coming home with hardware. And I think it's awesome when you do come home, home with hardware. But at the end of the day, when we yeah. are riding the bus home, I want to be able to ask you, did you learn something today? And I want you to say yes. And if you learned something valuable, that's what, that's what I want to see as a coach. Yeah, very true. I, I always say, to I think I don't man I feel like I've said this way too many times on the podcast and haven't even had that many episodes but literally I remind kids like those gold-plated trophies on your shelf will not mean that much in 60 years you know like there's going to be a point where it's it's about the memories the the things that you learn the opportunities to connect that really funny thing that happened on the school bus when you're coming back from a tournament you know stuff like that um it's going to be those it's just going to be those moments of you loving this activity so much, not like seeing the trophy and being like, oh yeah, I remember I won that day. Like it's going to be the memories. And I really want to, I really think that that should try to drive home a little bit better if possible. Yeah. That's always, I know that they always are. 
disappointed. Um, but I always want them to feel that if they learned something, it was a good day. Yes, very true. Um, I love that. I think that's a it's a great point. Um, and I'm for for now at least I'm gonna uh, talk to the audience really quick um, and let them know. You know, I hope you've been enjoying the episode um, so far. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break actually, so we can hear a word from our sponsors. Stay tuned. Um, if you want to join in on the conversation, obviously feel free to leave a comment down below or DM me on Instagram or my TikTok at the Forensics Guy. Um, and stay tuned because we'll be right back. All right. We are back. Um, I have been very honored to have some very great conversations with Miss Carrie Baker Johnson. Uh, Jackson, sorry, Miss Carrie Baker Jackson. That's uh, we have been talking about um, just literally figuring out how to like navigate this entire speech and debate world for our students, how to make it more accessible to students, as well as how to give each student exactly what they want out of the activity. Um, there's always going to be students who want a lot more and students who might want a lot less. And as long as we can do our best to navigate that, then we can definitely find um, and make a make a space that every student will feel comfortable and excited to compete in. Um, and moving on, I think that I think that we need um, obviously I think that we need more students to do the activity at different schools. But I feel like the one thing that's probably even the most important is we need more coaches to coach. I think that there are there are, there are t- like there are, I can hundred I can promise you hundred percent right now that there are more programs that need a coach than than we all think and I think that we need to move on to that and get those students that want to compete give them a coach and how can we get them a coach I'm not hundred percent sure but I think that this is a question that I want to figure out um, there's so many things that I think, and I've had this conversation with other people that have been on my podcast. We've talked about, you know, how do we get more coaches, especially when we're in this world where, like, the idea of forensics coaching isn't that important to us as a whole. Um, I feel like from, like, from an administrative, a school perspective, things of that nature sometimes, um, like, from pay and things of that nature, and, uh, like, in middle school, especially middle school, it's like, um, you know, hey, would you like to do this activity for months and we'll give you this stipend of like $800? And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 think, it's something. I think our number one resource Go is ahead. our students. And I think our number one resource is our students and our former students. Okay. Um, I am uh, fortunate that every year at least graduates uh, stay locally and are at either uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee or they're at Marquette um, or they're at some of the other smaller universities in the Milwaukee area. And they will come back and sometimes they'll just judge. Um, In other years, I've had students come back and coach. Okay. Um, This year for the first time, so I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll be fantastic. January 2nd is the first day back for 
teachers at school, um, but it is a basically a working day for teachers. And I'm going to host a workshop uh, in the morning, a forensics workshop. And I've got eight or nine graduates anywhere from their one to four years out coming back to uh, give 45 minute uh, workshops on how to write a good oratory speech, how to pick a good declamation speech, how to, uh, one girl's gonna do working on my pops. I'm popping in and out of characters. Um, and then in the afternoon, we're gonna do a mock tournament uh, to help okay. the new students get ready for uh, this season. And so I've done the mock tournament in the past, uh, but I've never partnered it with workshops where uh, recent graduates come in and um, give their information and, and, and um, provide and share their knowledge with the current team. Um, yeah. And I'm really, really excited. I think it'll be a really cool way to A, stay connected with uh, the Reagan graduates, but also, um, you know, students, I think, very often learn more from each other than they do from an adult. Uh, my team, I, I have had students tell me, I get more out of my my coaching sessions with one of our team captains and I say, and you should, because they're competing. They know more about the nuances of what's happening in the activity right now than me, who is either just judging or very often stuck in a tab room um, and not able to judge. So um, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that is a very great way to get more, um, more, yeah, more people to coach, hopefully, and and in general, more people to be like just inspired by the activity that want to help out in some way. Because um, they know exactly what the benefits are, and yeah, and, you know, the, the especially the ones who are just a couple years out, and you know, at, at university, uh, they can come back and ideally uh, help coach, uh, certainly help judge. Um, it, you know, it keeps them active in the activity and, uh, you know, hopefully long-term, it's something that they want to stay involved with. Yeah, that, that make that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I like that a lot. Um, hold on, just right in there. Okay. So, um, I'm kind of thinking a little bit about, uh, so we kind of, we talked about, you know, being able to get more students to coach uh, or, ba yeah, basically get more students to coach as they eventually get out of high school, they grow up, they realize that this might be something for them. And it honestly, when you're, if you're, a, I don't know, if you're a second year out and you're in college, that, that, that speech and debate stipend is real nice <laughs> um, <laughs> when you're trying, when you're trying to live off of ramen noodles um, and, and dorm room stuff. But um, I, I want to see, uh, it's so tough. Like I, like um, I'm definitely, this is definitely going to be probably a question that might seem a little bit difficult to answer. I always try to have at least one in there, I guess, but, <laughs> um, but I want to see more schools value speech and debate from an educational perspective as well. Absolutely. And, uh, and what I mean by that is like, 
I see all of these beautiful, beautiful, like, private schools, especially in California, uh, where literally, like, this, the idea of circuit debate and circuit speech is so big and prevalent. But, like, all of these schools, like, Texas is another big state that has it, where, like, the people or the, the coaches and the teachers, they're actually teaching speech and debate classes during the day, and then they're also you know, coaching that team and doing all the travel with that team and all that stuff. So it like it's it's awesome because, you know, for some kids it's literally just an elective. They're coming in, they're learning all this great stuff and that's awesome. And they might not participate on the team and that's fine. Cause we've still I feel like instilled what we can in them and made them, you know, obviously enjoy speech and debate from just a classroom perspective. And then transitioning that into those who coach too and bringing those specific kids who may have taken the class they're also going to the tournaments they're also competing I want to see more schools have that Um, and this is I feel like this is probably way outside of either of our scopes but like how can we make that happen how can is do you think that there's a way or even a chance for more schools to have that type of ideal in their classrooms where you know like they can teach a speech and debate class and coach the team and that's all they do as a teacher you know uh well yeah that would be a a perfect world um or a a much closer to perfect world than the one in which we currently live um yeah i always laugh because um wisconsin many many years ago probably even before you graduated um had a uh, the Department of Public Instruction had a requirement that all students take a semester speech class. So when oh. I graduated from high school in 1991, so now I'm dating myself, um, we were required to take a semester speech class. And then okay. sometime in the early 2000s, 2003 or 2004, uh, DPI dropped that, um, saying, well, it's in it's included in the language arts classes. So it's fine. Um, So when I hear about these other states that have speech and debate classes, I just look at them and like, what is this that you speak of? I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, It's intriguing to me. Um, I would hope that with the approval of an administrative team, uh, one of the requirements for the class would be you have to compete at least, you know, twice a semester um, if you are getting credit for the class. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be one way uh, because I do really think once kids compete and once they see um, what it's about because, um, yeah, a lot of people think who wants to get up early on a Saturday morning and go sit on on a bus and – but they love it. Like it, it's just, it, yes, it takes a certain type of kid, but there are a lot of those types of humans in the world. And um, once we suck them in just once or twice, uh, they kind of get hooked, uh, which is really awesome. Um, but you have to have that way of, of getting them um, to the first or second tournaments. Um, I know that every year, um, my team members, so, so for my team, they have to sign up at the beginning of the season for 
every tournament that they can attend. And okay. I require that they attend a majority of the tournaments. Um, and, and I, I compare it to when you try out for the soccer team, you don't get to pick and choose which games you're going to play at. If you are put onto the soccer team, you go to every game. So if you join the forensics team, you go to every tournament. Okay. Now, that makes sense. Because it's Saturdays. I do make some exceptions because, you know, Saturdays things come up and maybe you're going out of town for grandma's birthday and you have to be gone. And, and so certainly some exceptions come up, but um, inevitably the week of the first tournament, half the freshmen or half the new kids will come up to me and say, um, so I don't think I'm going to compete this week. And I just look at them and say, yes, you are. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because um, once you go and you experience your first tournament, uh, you love 90% of the kids. I maybe lose one after the first tournament. Last year, I didn't lose any. Um, so you just have to force them to get past that initial fear. And, you know, I just look at them and say, it's all going to be okay. You're going to be nervous and that's fine because you're going to, your body will take those nerves and use them to help you perform better. And that's okay because that's what you want to happen. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, if they tell me they don't want to, my final response is suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> you're going. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. <laughs> that is very, very true. Um, yeah, um, I am very, very, very uh, thankful that I was able to get you on and have you on this podcast and be able to ask you some of these questions. I think that um, hopefully these are the questions that some uh, new coaches who are listening and some students and alumni, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that these are um, some of the questions that they need to hear. Um, and hopefully these answers were able to suffice that. Um, once again, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a true honor. Sure. Um, and for everybody else listening, um, make sure that you give this, you know, all the five stars, thumbs up on like <laughs> Stitcher and iTunes and all the places where podcasts are. Um, I would really appreciate it to help with the whole algorithm of, I don't know, being a great podcast and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, uh, yeah, keep listening, keep liking, get in the conversation with me. Feel free to DM me, Instagram, anywhere. Let's have the conversation. Speech and debate forever. Loving it. Um, and uh, I will talk to you all later. You have a great day and peace out.